Welcome to the Cinephile and Hissy Fit Podcast, the tirade-filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. And I'm Will Odinson. There it is. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we're damn glad to have you. This is all for tantrum's sake, where shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love, but for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. This week, in a super fast turnaround that we prayed to the producer gods for, we are talking about Thor Love and Thunder, recommended by the MCU shill Will Johnson. This is all <laughs> your fault. I'm just going to turn to put my critic hat away and be a fan fucking guy our format is this the recommending <laughs> circle jerking lover over there will go first he will get his five uninterrupted minutes to shower his praise with semen and state his high-minded case for thor's buttocks uh the hater which is me and my two-star rotten tomatoes review will have five uninterrupted minutes of my own to present my counterpoints with any manner of intellectual scorched earth after that we will open it up for 15 to 15 minutes of shared conversation where the hissy fit reel gets chippy I don't have a hammer to pound the table, but, uh, you know, I, I don't want to break up with my weapon and that's hovering over me and talking to me without talking to me. So let's go. Well, I mean, if we, we talked about producer gods, if there mm. is one I'm willing to sacrifice my life for so that Gore the God Butcher does not kill the god of producing Mitch, uh, yes. I'm, willing to do that. I'm willing to make that sacrifice. Um, yeah. Universal he, thank yeah. you right now to Mitch Proctor for giving you this episode on friday so Whew. yeah 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 uh so yeah i protect him from gore the god butcher but uh, no you know what okay you're making fun of me that's fine i'm coming out i, oh, yes, I feel I we had a conversation i think it ended up getting deleted because i think it was on our lost uh barbara vandenberg episode i think mm -hmm. where we about where i had like a mental breakdown and then you guys were just like, chill out, dude, just love what you love. And I, you know what? I'm coming into this one. I, you know, yeah. I'm getting worn, I'm getting worn out of the, I'm, I don't know what it is. I'm getting worn out with the, uh, the, the rhetoric and the, sure. The, and the stuff. It's just, it's tiring. I'm, I've done and my I, due diligence for 14 years defending the MCU. I have given my, I've shown my loyalty. And, hey, you know, I, and this time I'm just going in. I, I went into sure. this one like, like as a fan because you know what? I, I, I've done my due diligence. I, I have defended it as art. I have given mm -hmm. it criticism where it deserves it, though people still call me the shill. At this point, I went in expecting a good time, not putting yeah. my critical lens on, and that's what I got. So, And I tell you what, I'm in the same boat in a lot of places where – for the same 14 years uh, as a dreamy comic book kid I, I i stayed on the dream fulfillment i was very forgiving of things that were unique weird different or just fun or unique choices but i'm at the point where i'm watching this all as a universe get dumber i'm watching the movies become too numerous to the point where they're not special anymore and i admit i'm I'm pushing myself away from the table and the fatigue is real. Now I'm not going to drop an Ian Simmons and give up entirely, but, um, I, my, my except, well, the next movie's coming have some promise, but, uh, it, it's, it's becoming less. Oh, I don't want to say less fun because they're still fun, but it's becoming less important. And we'll get to that when we get to our minutes and pieces, but, uh, you are the lover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are the lover and you go first. So hit these five minutes, man. Yeah. Well, I've already stated my case about, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not retiring as. Oh, 
did you so you're done that we didn't need the five minutes no okay i'll yes, go next i'm retired i'm retired I'm uh his fit is over uh no uh, i'm kidding I'm gonna, go ahead five minutes. i'm gonna reset my timer uh little jerk um all right so uh all right i have i'm not gonna say i'm retired as the mcu shill um i am the mcu shill um i think i've done a pretty good job of I'll tell you the MCU stuff I don't like. You know, I've I've said it straight up. I've been like, you know, Age of Ultron has a lot of problems. Um, but I'll also defend stuff that people automatically shit on. Like, I loved Eternals. Uh, I, I like Thor the Dark World. Uh, you know, um, Iron Man 3, which is pretty uh, controversial with people. Um, I, I, I think the reason why I'm not, I've never been fatigued with Marvel is because I approach every project as its own thing. I approach it as going into a comic book store and picking up an issue of a comic. Uh, sometimes you get events. Sometimes you get solo runs. Sometimes you get a kind of quirky, you know, one-off with a, with a goofy artist. And then sometimes you get a really serious artist. And then sometimes you get a Chris Claremont who's going to write for 35 straight years. You know, it's, it's, uh, I just don't get fatigued with these things because, and I think this is something you mentioned to me, um, on uh, Facebook DM or something that, you know, you've actually found the shows more interesting than the movies. And, uh, and that's, that is where I've actually started to like this phase of the MCU more is because the storytelling, a lot of people have complained about how staid the storytelling is or formulaic. And I think with the TV shows and now the movies continuing and, and yes, it can be burdensome because there's so many. Um, it's giving us variety and it's giving us a little bit more independent voices. I mean, I love Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness because it was very distinctively a Sam Raimi film on top of also being a Marvel film. And it's the same thing here with Thor love and thunder, where I, I feel we're getting a distinctly Taika Watiti film that just happens to be in the Marvel universe, but it also adheres to the current Marvel phase, which is like, you can go to the movies and watch Black Widow and you kind of get a, like a 90s throwback action film. And then you put on same thing with like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But then you get into Loki and you get into metaphysics and multiverses and craziness. And then you get street level stuff like Ms. Marvel. And then you get completely stuff that may have no connection to the MCU at all like Moon Knight. Um, and then the movies have been a wider range of things like Shang-Chi, one of my all time favorite MCU films, top five. Um, you know, and we're, I was talking to a friend today when I saw Thor Love and Thunder and I said, you know, it's really weird. He said, what? I said, 14 years ago, if you told me that in 2022, one of the highest grossing films of the year would be a Doctor Strange sequel and we'd be watching the fourth Thor film and he would be the first Avenger to have a fourth film, you would say I'm crazy. But I, I don't know. I, I, I see this, I don't want to say it's dumbing down, but it's becoming ubiquitous with culture. And I get that. And some people don't like that. Some people are automatically like, I don't like ubiquity. You know, they want difference, which I don't quite understand because when I watched uh, Thor love and thunder tonight, uh, I was struck with that comic book mentality. I felt like I was reading a, a strange, bizarre comic book, cosmic slash godlike comic book on a Saturday afternoon as a 13 year old. It was it was gloriously weird and funny and sometimes scary and breezy. And I get, I get the idea that 
you know, it's not quote unquote important anymore, or it's not like an event. And, th- and that's okay because I think what they've been doing since WandaVision phase four is telling very isolated, unique stories that are more authentic, have more authentic artistic voices than perhaps maybe the formulas of the first three phases. And uh, I'm, I'm here for it. Um, once again, Taika Waititi um, finds a really good balance of having some completely goofy comedy, but also really adding some uh, emotions in there. Uh, and this, in this, in the in Thor Ragnarok, it was Odin's departure, you know, and that Asgard is not a place. A little bit more impactful. This movie actually puts a lot of its empathy uh, onto the villain, strangely enough. And, um, and and visually, it is a spectacle. I think uh, I was talking to former guest of the show, Lauren, Lauren Knight. You know, one of her complaints, and something I do agree with, is that the films have been very inconsistent with visuals as of late. You know, that sometimes it's a little muddy. Sometimes you get really high highs and really low lows. This film is gorgeous to look at. There's a gorgeous black and white sequence that plays with light. I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I don't see the hate. I'm seeing it from a more singular purpose. I'm seeing it as a, yes, I'm, I'm looking at it as a fan and perhaps less as a critic, and you can crucify me for that. But I, I think everyone's expecting the Infinity Saga, and we don't know where this is going. I think we should enjoy these isolated, singular stories. And comics kind of are dumb. <laughs> you know, comics are hilariously stupid, and that's why I love them. All right. All right. It's and here's the thing. I'm going to come out here in five minutes and I'll throw this timer up here quick is it's not hate. I I don't get it takes a lot for what I consider to be a pretty level headed guy like me who can play the favorites, play the play the best, you know, wear the critic hat, take off the critic hat when he needs to. It's not hate. It's just. uh, it's indifference. It's dumbing down. It, it is exactly the word you brought up. It is inconsistency. And to me, as I'm as I'm taking this all in, and I, I get what you're saying with singular stories and enjoy these cute little moments that are that are all that, but that's not what this has been set up to be. So when they depart, when the MCU is building this blueprint of things, the interconnectedness of things, or that where the growth of these characters hangs around long enough and is given additional chapters where it should matter. Um, the main characters that they've had can show growth or at least a, a strengthening of a place that they've settled themselves to be. Thor is not that Thor. And we, I think I touched on this in our show um, a, a couple episodes back where to me, and I fully believe this Thor is the most inconsistent character in the Marvel cinematic universe. There is no more. He is. No one is more hot and cold than him. He is happy. He is sad. He is buff. He is not. He's here. He's gone and don't even start in his hair. Um, It's just and how I why the wild inconsistencies when I ask when I when I list all the damn things that happens to this guy. um, When I ask myself, well, why the wild inconsistencies? And I and I feel like it's the filmmakers fault of kind of just not so much painting themselves in the corner but just not trying i see a laziness with this character that i just can't get over and i call it in my review the norse eraser you know and every filmmaker who's touched this character since kenneth Branagh has tried to use this norse eraser to take where a place that he's been established to be or something that could stick around and matter 
and they've, you know, w- smeared it around and, you know, do it kind of used to this character, the most powerful Avenger consequence free to kind of suit whatever fancy they, they need to have their smiling, godly beefcake always be victorious. So you have flaws and issues and losses that just magically disappear for convenience's sake with the crack of a lightning bolt or in this case, the last couple of movies, a delivery of a cheeky quip. And and Taika Waititi, for the second movie in a row, has taken this character to a, definitely a different height of comedy. And the the part about Thor Ragnarok that I enjoy, and it's a top half MCU film for me, is we we had a fun, you know, uh, injection for this character. But at the same time, his Norse racer actually had some things happen to him that that had legit stakes. Cause when you look back at Ragnarok for all the fun and crazy little things, we watched that movie, you know, they kill off his dad. They bring him back his bitch sister. They, um, you know, they kill the warriors three. Um, they destroy his home world, uh, take away his eye. And when all of those things happen to him and he still, by the end of the movie emerges to still be the strong resolute leader of his people. That is a fantastic balance of stakes to go with the fun that was injected in this character. By the time I get to Thor Love and Thunder, um, since Ragnarok, the Norse racer's been taken over again by the Rooster Brothers, where the eye's back in, his hair's just fine, we've gone from dad bod to buff bod, and everything's okay. You know, Asgard is not really there, but, you know, we've got new Asgard, that's a tourist trap in America. Like, the Norse racer is back in full force to just conveniently wipe away anything that would maybe stick around and matter to this character. And since more and more of this whole, this character in this journey has become about making this guy a himbo and just a fucking dunderheaded joke. Anytime substantial peril shows up, um, it's reached a point where I don't believe that it's going to stick, where it feels merely temporary and in some cases flaky and flimsy. Christian Bale should be a get. Christian Bale should be a solid villain that should matter and scare the shit out of you. And because they do the overused trope of the sympathetic origin story for a badass villain, we are told in advance too soon that he, he's going to change his ways and fix himself. And like, it's just a matter of time before he hits his knees in a groveling fashion to not be the badass that he should be. And that is a waste of Christian Bale. That is a waste of our time. And by the time Jane Foster is used and taken in the places that she is, which is fun for a, for a good little bit. And she can be a heart and soul for this movie. It just doesn't matter. And we don't have stakes. And even her, and we'll just go straight to spoilers, even her loss. We have this sunny safety net called the afterlife in Valhalla. So I just, I, I see this character and I see wild inconsistencies. And when that happens, compounded by really dumb jokes, you know, two, you know 2009 called, they want their screaming goats back. Uh, it just, it's, it's a substandard effort. It's not that I hate it. I just don't see the larger value in it. You know, that's kind of where I'm at. Hmm. All right, ladies. Hmm. We'll break for a short announcement from our non-corporate partners and friends. What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. 
All right, welcome back, everybody. Will you? I, I, you talk first. You get us. You get the next shot here. Yeah, no, interesting, interesting takes. I mean, wrong, but interesting. Um, here no, we go. I, yeah. I, I appreciate. No, I appreciate. I, I guess. I, I guess I can see it. I, I don't know. I just see this one's tough for me because I. I think the reason why Marvel does so well is because it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, and mm, I think that this movie, I see, I'll let you finish, but I'll disagree in a second here. No, I mean, there's moments, of course. I mean, there's I mean, some of these and, movies have rocked me to my emotional core. Don't get me wrong. And but, therefore you lost me. So yes, this is not DC who takes itself no, that's, overly that's seriously where they have no glee and they have no fun. It's no, far that's, from that's that. I'll I'm grant saying that. Is, that's what I'm saying is there's always a little bit of an element of a smirk, I think, yeah. on Kevin Feige's. Like, we're even where, no matter how ridiculous it gets, it, it hasn't taken itself like DC so seriously, or it doesn't, or even, and, and I say DC is the DCEU, but also the Nolan Batman films. And Very true. You can maybe even, maybe even argue uh, Matt Reeves' Batman, where it treats their characters like they I've always made my argument that DC has always treated their characters for the iconography iconography first mm-hmm. and character second. Yeah. Whereas Marvel We've does talked the about that in the show and I back you yeah. there. I see your points there. Yeah. So when I say they don't take themselves seriously, I guess what I mean is like when I watch this movie, I'm not like, I'm not ready to see Thor be serious. And I, and the reason why I think this movie does a great job of that is because it does show the pettiness of the gods and it makes the gods look awful to the point sure. where at one point I'm like, Christian Bale is right. Like everyone makes these jokes about Thanos was oh right, gosh. but like yeah. dude, Gore was right. Like these gods yeah, are mostly is... idiots and they're, but they're it, mostly sure. vain and horrible. And yeah, but at this I level, like but at this level, this is like, don't meet your heroes, you know, shitty celebrity gives you a dumb autograph at a con kind of revenge story for Gore. It's not to the Thanos level of bigger where like, it doesn't it, have to be, it doesn't. Pl- no, it's true. But like, I guess where I'm coming from, where I'm di- going to disagree is that Marvel has done a very good job of balance where yep. you have the stakes in half that, that really get us. Oh my God. I mean, we, we, you and I could go all day on other shows and list the moments that crush our souls in a Marvel movie with, with outstanding feels at the same time as we could spend another show enjoying things that bring us just absolutely euphoric glee. To me, the best of the best Marvel balance that perfectly. We're it's a damn near 50-50 split. This one is just all oh, dumb jokes. And even when they try, and they I try, I, I grant it, they try to give a get like Christian Bale be you know going full method with this you know creepy thin villain in, in the necrosword and some yeah. impressive effects to go with where they're going to yeah, take him yeah. if you need to take him but he's still pretty easily dispatched with the dumbass sympathy story and then jane foster is you know you yes that's thor's girl we root for that but you can't give me uh, a temperature reading where this you know um moment of romance or unity or separation is anywhere close to pepper and tony uh sure. well that's been a problem with the- like yeah like this i'm not and, and it should be better than that because jane and jane foster and natalie portman are very alluring 
characters and actresses playing it where this should work and you have captain charisma with chris hemsworth where i'm yeah. certain that it just doesn't work or it can't hit with the balanced fields to go with the ham and fun because i can do ham and fun i mean i i forgive well, him I, I, plenty, think, but. I think it all comes down to the director because uh, this is not, pure tech. I love, true. I love Kenneth Branagh. Don't get me wrong, but, mm, um, too. you know, I, I miss think that, I think that his approach to Jane and Natalie Portman's approach to Jane in the first two movies and Marvel's approach to Thor was mm. almost DC level in that it was taking itself too seriously. Now, many people argue that it took too far of a left turn to get it back on track. Mm. Um, so, I mean, let me address a couple of things that you're talking about. So, all right. Uh, the first one is gore. So let's talk about gore. My one complaint about the movie is I think it missed one gore scene that we needed to flesh him out. Okay. I think, I think he's great. Uh, he's Christian Bale. He's fantastic. I, I, I fully understand his quest. I think we needed at least one more scene. To, there's a fantastic scene where he's talking to the children and it's creepy and scary and weird. And I think we need at least one more scene of that to kind of, flesh out that one more scene of, of evilness or or of action like yeah. maybe one so, more assassination of one more god i was i could see that yeah, i i need that but but that's my only complaint uh really but let's talk about gore because All that's right. the other thing is i think that it, marvel's biggest problem in the early phases uh of of the mcu was that you had villains that were easily disposable not very memorable and mm-hmm. usually we're just the hero. Like, you know, like Ant-Man, my, my favorite MCU movie, the, you know, yellow jacket's not exactly the most compelling yeah. villain. You know, he's no. basically Ant-Man. He's just kind of crazy. Um, yeah. you know, uh, whiplash. There's always like Ronin and guardians of the galaxy. Probably the weakest part of a great movie. Like mm-hmm. Marvel had a terrible time at giving you villains that you care about. Now, they got better because they expanded Loki. Uh, they expanded mm-hmm. Thanos. They, they, they yeah. introduced Vul- Vulture. Vulture is one of the best villains in the MCU. Uh, Killmonger is fantastic. They started adding right. elements to the villains. Now, I'm not going to say that gore is as deep as those. Because this yeah, is a little bit more traditional like right. MCU one where it's, it's more about the hero going through the villain to learn more about themselves. Uh-huh. Yeah. But. But and because the we're thing. there, four phases in, waste of time. I don't think it's a waste of time. Because, and a waste of Christian Bale. No, I don't. Not at all. Uh, but this, you can't tell me this couldn't be a better trilogy where bad guy. You have this loss of Gene Foster to the end. Imagine if bad guy won and he's still out there and he can go do something. Well, here's my thing. People that would argue, be a hell of a kicker for this thing. People argue a lot about Thanos, right? And they say. One of the big things, because geeks, we love to be like, you know, Lord of the Rings is like, why don't they just take the eagles to the mountain? You know, stuff like that. The big mm. thing with Thanos was like, hey, doofus, why don't you just make more resources with your Infinity Gauntlet? You know, what I like about this film is that, yeah, in the end, the villain does exactly what everyone says Thanos should have done, which is choose the right option. <laughs> like, if you're oh. so mad your daughter's dead. Yeah. Bring your daughter back to life. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I, I like that. And that that's what I'm saying is mm. people will complain about that, but we all, we all live life. Right. And not everything, sure. not everything is we've had dire moments in our lives. We've had happy moments in our lives, goofy moments, boring moments. Like, right. I don't see to me, like through the history of comics, I don't need there to be a Thanos level threat or a universe ending threat. 
Because really, the stakes in this one are kind of low in the sense that really the gods are the only ones in danger. Extremely low. Yes. And that's but that's so but that's okay. See, I don't mind that. Like I don't need all these to be event pictures. They don't need to be. No, no, no. But then have compelling gods. You're you have Thor, who we automatically consider compelling. But that dude you meet in the garden in the mirage for gore doesn't exactly pull your I mean not not that I have to pull sympathy I get that you they they're painting them as assholes that maybe yeah. deserve the dispatching they get from gore but I that then then we're that's that's a very weak villain to root for and then yeah don't get me started on Russell Crowe and whatever my it. big fat Greek it. wedding dad part shows up I was expecting him to have Windex in a minute here just to kind of was, finish the I accent and stereotype I, I awesome. don't know, man I just I just awesome. I loved it. Well, I here's the thing. Fantastic. Like you, I feel like you can do that. And I was talking to Aaron white about this, a uh, friend of the show, feeling film um, where you can still have Russell have the exact same characterization. He's doing, you know, the pompous cruise ship captain thing going on here of, you know, hedonistic yeah, yeah. leader of, of resortville or whatever. Do that with Russell Crowe's, you know, real accent and talk where, at, at any moment he can twist himself into being you know fucking maximus decimus Marius, where like hey i'm still fucking zoots i still put a lightning bolt up your ass and no you get you get the you get sasha baron cohen doing a greek voice it could have been will ferrell up there doing that part it was that cheesy and bad no thank you you know i i would love for that to matter and then it doesn't and then i know our post-credit scene will have him maybe you know, kick up the next thing that Thor has to fight, but that, ah, oh, no. And another wasted opportunity where just with a tweak or two here and there, you can still get both. You can still have the ham of the characterization of Zeus and still have gravitas from who you have because it's Russell Crowe. Same thing with Gore. You can take out the dumb children, sniveling evil villain, it clown speeches and just have him kill motherfuckers, you know, and still have Christian Bale. You know, yeah, so you I know just what? that's not fun. they're just mismeasuring these things. <laughs> no, no you still have all how do you make a god butcher fun? We're that's the that's the inconsistency how, dude, wayward seen... compass this movie's got. That's the thing. That's the thing. And Christian Bale talks about this in interviews. It's like even okay. though and then we a friend friend of the show, Jeff Mitchell, that's one of his favorite story arcs is the Gore the God Butcher. It's a very dark storyline. Mm-hmm. But you also have to remember that and the, Christian Bale's talked about this, you know. <laughs> You got to remember, Gore the God Butcher in the comic, he might be doing all these horrible things, but he's also doing it in a speedo. You know what I mean? Like, it's not exactly like. Sure. I mean, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, we're in a comic book movie, but we st- yeah. you have mismatched tones when you're st- doing that shit. When you have Zoolander level jokes and a dude who's actually trying to kill things. See, I want to address your joke, the joke thing with you yeah. because I actually, and this is not a very popular MCU opinion, but I'm not a huge fan of Guardians 2. Because I, okay. the argument you're making for Thor, Love and Thunder, I actually agree with you in regards to Guardians 2. I think Guardians, Guardians 2 pushes too many quips ahead of the stakes yes. of the story. I agree. I grant the, that. The first one. I love it still. Was, the first one. Oh, I don't know if I love Guardians 2. I love, yeah. I love the first one. But no, Guardians 1 had a great balance because you had, and then you had a great character. Very Star much Lord. So. And and two, it was like they were trying to go for the jokes first. It was almost like it was almost like when like I don't know if Marvel doesn't really have. I know Marvel Marvel has a parliament of people that kind of like they're like yeah, they got a brain trust. Yeah, like a brain trust. James Gunn's on that team. Yeah, yeah. I know that they. 
uh, probably sat there and thought, man, this movie's really funny. And it was genuinely funny. Guardians of the Galaxy won. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they said, like, let's tone down the seriousness. Okay. I, basically, what you're saying about Thor, I apply to Guardians too. I don't get that here. I That's actually fair. think oh, my, gosh, one, my, my one, my one uh, criticism of Ragnarok was that okay. it never took uh, time to breathe. It went from like joke seppies, joke seppies, yeah. joke seppies, and yeah. you never. It does move had a, too quick, despite the quick. to me stakes that are there. Yeah, yeah, it moves. I too agree quick. with that. I actually found this film. I'm not going to say it's better than Ragnarok. I, I'm actually no putting way. it on on par with it, though. But I think there's actually a maturity from Waititi oh, here because I think <laughs> no. that no, no, I, I think the jokes kind of fit. And I want to talk about Thor in a minute too, because you said he's okay. inconsistent. You say he's inconsistent. Oh, now, Marvel's, Mar- I don't know, because Marvel's had two. Well, let me get to YTD first. Okay. I think I think this movie had a lot of uh, great pauses and beats that made it more effective. Uh, I okay. think if we got if we got Thor Ragnarok Part Two with that breakneck speed, mm-hmm. I actually think the jokes were toned down in this movie. Oh, uh, compared to no, when, and the on. pace is toned down. No, yeah, I'll I grant pace. Do. I'll grant pace jokes no chance. So because like here's the thing, you know me, I'm in every movie has lesson guy. Lesson two and lesson three sure. for my review are the dumb sure. are the the watering down of drama in the way that they're trying to like make their little character pillars. So when you have Korg yeah. doing the whole fighting the good fight for those who can't fight good, that's Derek Zoolander shit right there. We're like. No, just have Thor used to have former lofty goals of truly being worthy and like the grander reasons mm. to be a hero that were kind of forged in him, like by doing the earthbound reclamation thing of the first movie and where that just there's a durable stoicism that Brannock started him with that even Watiti boosted back up with some peril and stakes in Ragnarok. But that's all watered down for that half ass commitment of Korg being your narrator. And even when they pretend to kill him off, they don't really do it. The second one is like our little love theme lesson or, or like little chestnut that's supposed to make us like care and matter for the romance of find a way to feel shitty about something or someone. Oh, please. That is a lower bar, you know? Well, that was staring, perfect, Star-Lord. Don't a, get me started because I got to no, see that's a heart Star-Lord. It was perfect. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like it was that's, perfect if that's supposed to be character. your... Yeah, but if that's supposed to be your heartfelt, your highest heartfelt apex... Is this emotionally constipated line of like wishing for passionate passionate flutters from missing someone? Please knock it off. That that is a reduction of where they were before. Where I I now the now the jokes are invading and just dismissing the dramatics, and that's where I lose. That's because Thor is dumb. See, people forget. Then we're at Norris Eraser. No, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Dumber have to be done. When was the last time you watched Kenneth Branagh's Thor? A year ago, half right, right half here where that, we're at. Half of that movie is poking fun at how ridiculous Thor is. Yeah, especially when taken out of context of Asgard. Like he is a sure idiot. in the no- like New Mexico stuff, and yeah, all of it, even the most egregious coffee cup shattering thing, is yeah, small. 
by comparison yeah. to this movie. This movie I need is a horse. It's still my favorite. Yeah. I need a horse. And they're like, this sure. is a pet store. But this movie, <laughs> this movie has we're 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 at screaming goats. We're at tourist traps. We're at we're at floating break, you know, we're at floating mad spousal hammers and axes. Like everything that was dippy and wacky that Branding had to do to just kind of, you know, dumb no, him no, down yeah, no, to I, learn. I, we're we're we've dialed to t- fifteen in this movie. So no, I that, want to that address that. I, 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 I want to address that because I am right. there's two characters that have had to have major um what's the word I'm looking eraser? for? Eraser? Norris eraser? No, no not uh-huh. eraser. Um that have kind of had to take left turns. Uh because okay. the original takes on them, good intentions or not, were okay. Not exactly correct. Um, All right. What's, yeah, don't get me wrong. Two? I love Kenneth Branagh's Thor. I think it's a great movie. I think Tom Hiddleston steals that movie. He's so mm-hmm. good in it. Um, totally. Chris Chris Hemsworth is great. He just has natural charisma. He's fantastic. But yeah, then the other character, the other the other character is Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Um, True. I think. True. Um, they really messed up with Hawkeye in the first Avengers. To the mm-hmm. point where even the actor was pissed off because he's like, "Why the fuck am I signing up for this if you're just going to make me a zombie the whole movie?" Yeah, uh, they That's tried. Fair. Then they o- way overcorrected in Age of Ultron, and it didn't really click until I'd say about Civil War, where you started to kind of where he's the kind of started when we to end up at his place. With the with wife and kids, yeah, that yeah, those, that's well, that was Age of Ultron. Well, that was Ultron. that was that was. That was fine, but that was a little too much of a left turn for me because it, it was very obvious right. they were saying, "Shit, we messed up with Jeremy Renner. Let's give him more." Now here's time. the thing. Now imagine, yeah. imagine if that left turn only lasted one movie. At least they've stuck with that turn and made family part of his core. No, it, it, it only lasts. If this half was a, a movie Thor movie. It would. It would. If this was a Thor movie, we would have gave him a wife, girlfriend, or kids, and we would have dismissed it the very next movie. Well, here, here's as we do here's with everything that's ever happened to this character. All right, hold on. I'll get there. Just give me a minute. Mm. All right. So the other thing with Hawkeye is the reason why I ended up loving the character so much is because he has a scene in Ultron where he's talking to Scarlet Witch and he's just like, look, pl- things are falling out of the sky. I'm shooting robots yeah. and I have a bow and arrow. And sure. It doesn't make sense. And I and that's what I mean by Marvel not taking itself too seriously. Is there's always gonna be that little wink that nothing is serious. And, and and I think they figured out Hawkeye there. Now Thor. Right. I think it was off to a good start with Kenneth Branagh's Thor. Um, I think that he's virtually a nothing character in the two Avengers. And I think it's a Whedon problem because Whedon didn't understand how to write Captain I America. Agree with he didn't that. know what to do with Thor, he didn't know what to do with yeah. the only ones who's really good at Norris Razor. The only good stuff he was, the only th- stuff Whedon was really good at was the Hulk stuff mm-hmm. and like one liners and quips. I hate Age of Ultron. I think Agreed. it's the worst MCU movie, but it has some of the most quotable lines, if that makes That's sense. That's true. Yeah. Um, but but <coughs> he didn't know what to do with Thor. He didn't know what to do with Captain America. Um, Captain America, luckily, the Russos came in, fixed that. Fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. the first, the first film was amazing, but like, yeah. they, not a lot of correction needed. Just it's almost like from what when you I, started. Yeah, it's like almost like when I showed my dad, uh, I showed my dad uh, First Avenger and Winter Soldier. I told him afterwards, mm-hmm. I'm like, he, like he, the Avengers is so inconsequential to Captain Captain America, other than the fact that he becomes the leader, which you, we expected him to be anyway. Right. That I just told him, I said, we're not going to watch the Avengers because we're just going to move on to Winter Soldier because it's the more direct continuation of this character. So whenever I look at the character arcs, I kind of throw out the first two Avengers movies because they do feel more like event comic books 
where characterization mm-hmm. kind of takes a sidestep to sure. the plot. So I see, I see. So, there. so I'm going to ignore the two first Avengers movies in terms of Thor. So I'm going to look at Thor, Kenneth Branagh, Thor, Dark World, and then Ragnarok. Yes, I agree mm-hmm. with you. The, the biggest problem is Thor: The Dark World. I almost feel like Marvel was feeling like a little bit of pressure uh, from the formula aspect because they went all out. I think they got a Game of Thrones director on that one, Alan Taylor. They sure right? did, it's Alan Taylor. Sense. You're right. And it looks amazing. Like it looks I like agree. otherworldly and fantastic. But instead of embracing what Branagh started, which was mm-hmm. maybe Thor is kind of a goofball, but he can still be taken seriously. They stripped the goofball away entirely and went yeah. with serious Thor in the second one. So then when you get to Ragnarok, I totally get you. Like it is a wide left. They make him yeah. a little bit even more stupider. So I, I get your argument there, but here's the thing. If you, because all the characters go through some kind of growth and, and we've all experienced mm-hmm. this with TV. One of my favorite shows is star Trek, the next generation. I also like Babylon five, both the first seasons of those shows are so fucking terrible. And the characters are so different than what they would become. That's true. That you, uh, you almost kind of pretend those didn't happen, even though they did. So what I like to look at is where is Thor at in Ragnarok? Okay. Um, and you know, he's, if you look at the arc of Ragnarok to Infinity War to Endgame to Love and Thunder, I think mm-hmm. that is a very consistent arc. Hell no. So yeah, no, no, absolutely. He has one no. of the best scenes in Infinity War. We've got Goofy. Great, a scene where no, no, finally no, 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 no. he's a powerful Avenger. All right, hold but, on. That's but, not what uh, I was talking about. That's not the scene I'm talking about. Okay. Let me talk. What's Let his, me talk. What's his good scene? Okay, the scene is when he's talking to Rocket. And he's talking about everybody that he's lost. Everybody, this, this is what I'm saying. Like, that's a great scene. He's talking to a fucking talking raccoon. And he, oh we are crying with him because he's talking about like, yeah, my mom's dead. My dad's dead. Yeah. My brother's dead. Like, and even despite the fact that we went through a Thor Ragnarok movie where he was goofy and Led Zeppelin's playing, there's still that loss. I mean, that moment. In no, Infinity I, War. I, I said so it earlier. Moment, Ragnarok has legit loss. I just wish it would have stuck around. And other than Odin staying dead and his mom staying, Frigga staying dead, that's it. We have we have Loki prancing around. That's a pretty big Earth. deal, dude. That's like his two oh, parents. I I, I like, get that, but uh, like two but parents, then, we knew were gonna go because they're seniors. It's Anthony Hopkins, no, maybe. Like, but you, Infinity you look at him, War, that guy's not staying around. Infinity War, despite the fact that, like. I don't know how to explain this, but like, you know, you end, you end for Ragnarok on this, like Asgard is a place and everybody's happy and right. Korg is holding, you know, uh, meek. And it's like, Oh, he's actually a lot. It's goofy. And then you cut right to infinity war where Mm -hmm. you just buy it, that these people are going to die. Like I I know we got goofy Thor, but that those two moments where you see Heimdall die and Loki die and you see that anguish Mm -hmm. in Chris Hemsworth's face. Like it shows that he actually has complexity. Like you can be goofy and dumb and still be like angry and sad and upset. You know, that is true. But then in a movie, a movie this far along balance it. And this movie doesn't. I I think he has those capabilities. But this movie is 80% jokes and 20% heft 
Whereas yeah. Ragnarok's a great 50-50 and Avengers is doing its own thing. I'm with you on that. Where like you can't <sighs> measure Thor in those places other than the things that change between movie to movie that I call the eraser. But yeah, like, no. This movie sets him back. It, 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 despite the fact of attempting to push him forward and you know, mm, put together know. Jane Foster so. and fix the hammer and Stormbreaker and like it, it just we're or here but I I guess we're all where I'm at peace with this, where like I can't call this hate, I just have to call this crappy, is it, it, what I'm asking for this whole time is consistency. And I, I've, I've just measured and charted the inconsistency of this character hmm. that's got us to here. Now, from here on out, if the Thor series is going to stay in Taika Waititi's control, perfect, so yeah. be it. You know, okay. let him own it, let him be all things Thor. Hemsworth natural charisma and his self-deprecating humor and personality that's put on blast in this movie. It, it, it fits the zany route. YTD's done for this character. And if, if the character's got, that's the thing. Like if this is what we're going to do, pick a lane and stay here. And if that's the case, cool, I, I'm ready for it. But where if YTD is going to do the fluffy cheese and just keep this fun for fun's sake and, you know, just be the second Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, party movies that come around every two, four years, three years, fine. You know, because even if he's in sideshow comedy mode, the character will finally have consistency. Because if we ever think we can take this character back to, like, the bold spirit of Branagh and the mythic origins... It ain't gonna happen. It's impossible. The toothpaste is out of the tube for the himbo stuff. I, that's what I'm saying. It'll take I, a I massive event, and Gore the God Butcher is not that event. Jane Foster passing on is not that event, especially now that we have the corrective safety net of Valhalla. You can't tell me Anthony Hopkins is not gonna show up in another movie, thanks to Heaven showing up. So it's yeah, like stakes are getting lower and lower and lower, and the jokes are getting taller and taller. Now, if that's the route, that's the route. I'm I'm cool with it because finally, size or not. It's consistency. I don't know, man. I, I just can't agree with you. I, because yeah. I think of when I think of like Infinity War, for example, I think some of the funniest moments and some of the most tragic and some of the most badass moments all involve Thor. And that is a balance. Sure. Even in the like, Whedon movies, I he's got like the you're so petty and tiny in the fight with Hulk. Like he's got even a spot or two in other places, but where I don't but I, I think like I don't Thor which is seeing, because he's been funny. He's been funny enough in the past where, to me, Ragnarok wasn't the severest of left turn as what we're talking about here. Like, it just felt like amplification from a good filmmaker and then still had balance and stakes. So, like... So, that's where I disagree. I I feel like the Thor from Ragnarok transitions perfectly well into Infinity War and Endgame. And I I feel like... No chance. No. No, it has... the whole thing where he's on the ship with the guardians and he's calling people rabbits yeah, and all this stupid stuff. He's incredibly stupid, but then he has that yeah. moment where he's forging the fucking thing from the star. And you're like, Oh I my know. God, Thor, like, yeah. like they balance that. There's, and I, I got there's this for, not for this. One, all right. It, that's those places are balanced. You get here. What's your, what's your awesome character forging. Wow. That guy's the most powerful Avenger moment in this movie. Well, because sure there's no he's... there's no star forging hammer scene in this movie. There's no talk to rocket scene in this movie. There's no save Wakanda scene in this movie. It's just you don't need it because it's, it's about Natalie Portman sacrificing herself oh, to God. do it. Then, then then you're wasting a Thor movie. And then when we get but, to the black and white stuff, which should be cool, I'm over here gorgeous, doing what in the gorgeous. fucking Zack Snyder is this? You know, it's just no. I thought uh, that was one just like the Valkyrie scene in Ragnarok. He took mm-hmm. another 
another sequence made it visually stunning. The black and white is gorgeous. Yeah. The, the fact it, that it has because the, we're doing the this in playing like, out. Yeah, but because we're black and whites become this. I hate to use the word trope, but because it's become this stylistic trope to make things look. No, but it was more than just prestige. black and white. Like, like yeah, but he's three years Volnir too late out. to make this look cool. He's three years too late. To I thought it looked amazing. I thought it was gorgeous. Ah, I love that wait, sequence. Death Zack Snyder shit. That just wasted. No, don't insult Taika Waititi. I with that no, I will. I will insult Taika Waititi. You are better than copying Zack Snyder. That was not copying. Oh, <laughs> it's bullshit. a bullshit. It's a shadow world. Sh- what do you want? Yeah, it's, I want to see not Sucker Punch too. But ah, man, the scene where like yep. uh, Natalie Portman's like her hammer is glowing, and you can see the color in her face, but the rest is black. Oh, that was gorgeous. gorgeous Efficient stuff. lighting and editing and special effects—that's cool too. But no, right. man, I, I thought uh, this. And, nope. and like I, like I said earlier, I think a lot. Of, I don't know if it's because the movie is brighter in general, like Ragnarok was, whereas sure. so, something like Doctor Strange and Spider Man are darker, not just mm-hmm. thematically, but they look darker. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't think the visual effects serve that well in a darker situation. I only because because I thought I saw this in IMAX and um this was the first Marvel movie in a while. Especially since I've gone back and watched a couple of the Captain Americas with my dad, mm-hmm. where the visual effects were a lot more subtle <laughs> than they are now. This was the first one in a while where I, I never got that janky muddy feeling that I get in some sequences of even the ones I love, like Dr. Strange uh, multiverse of madness, I think is glorious movie, but mm-hmm. there are some scenes where I'm like, eh, it's a little janky. Uh, Spider-Man is great. You as mean it janky. Has- like all we're doing is prancing around in front of a green screen. Janky is like where it's just, yes. it doesn't well, look and, realistic or, or they're like, there's a I, couple scenes. I get the green Spider-Man. screen vibe in this movie a lot. See, I didn't. I got. I. I was really immersed, and I for the first time, especially what really surprised me was, um, uh, the zoo. Whatever the hell it was called. What was it yeah. called? Omnipotent City or whatatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like commercial that, number three. Got it. Yeah. That <laughs> shocked me at how uh, it reminded me of like the prequel Star Wars movies at their best when there was a lot of creativity. Right. Yeah. Like in the very background stuff. Sure. It was like detailed down gorgeous. the streets. It, yeah. I, it'd be gorgeous. Um, yeah, it tries. And then it's, uh, then I feel <laughs> this is going to be a dumb here. I'll be your Will Johnson character today of bad comparisons. It's uh, like the scene. Hey, in the Lego I think movie. weird comparisons, not bad. I got, I got one for you. I got one for you. Okay. That All scene right. in like the little uh, floating, whatever floating amphitheater stage that Zeus is on to yell and admonish Thor with the mm-hmm. half circle of scene. It's the Lego movie. You know, I was expecting Shaq and all the random Legos to show up like, hey, look over there. You know, like I thought we would get other gods or I kept watching and trying to catch Easter eggs like, ooh, because they do try to like show a few of the neighboring people around uh, Valkyrie and Jane. And I was waiting for something cool to be there and then nothing ever was. So I'm like, oh, it's I don't know, man. They had Gary Payton and Shaq Legos. (laughs) They had Japanese gods, Mexican gods, Native American gods. Yeah. And I guarantee there was oh, no, a I, lot I, of as a socialist teacher, I pick up on all that. But like, that's kind of as You're a Marvel a socialist person, teacher, kind of your chance to like a socialist teacher. <laughs> well, I so yeah, in a blue state, guy is a socialist teacher. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, but no, that, that I hate to say it, that's their chance to like 
really drop some people in there, but you could really drop some people in there other than, yeah, notes for socialized teachers. So, uh, I, I, like, um, someone, I, some article that I don't have the proper credit for talked about where these Marvel movies, and I'm starting to see it where, um, they were comparing it to things like Top Gun and Mission Impossible, where mm-hmm. so much of this action that's now being used in these Marvel movies is very CGI assisted and green screen sure. assisted. And and I get why, because they're making things that are absolutely fantastical and too big and they're already expensive right. enough as they are. But there is something to be said for Tom Cruise hanging on a plane and doing like practical effects wonderment. And I, sure, I, sure. I read that article. And I'm like, gosh, you know what? I, I can't remember a really good practical effects where you know it's not uh, a CGI beast and a guy in a green suit that they're trying to fight. Like, I don't know a good practical effect moment in an MCU movie. Like, I, I was Shang-Chi. at a loss thinking of one. Shang-Chi, many. Many in Shang-Chi. Because the like, well, I, I tell you what, the, the best scene in Shang-Chi to me where where, where I read that they did the most practical they could make it other than where they can put move the camera to that bus scene in the Shang Chi is pretty damn impressive. Oh, the bus scene is um, pure. The, the, the guy who did yeah, the stunt, stunt movie stuff on there, that, yeah. he was part of Jackie Chan's stunt team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they, one, that one's legit. Now, now by the time has the bamboo screen, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and that's the thing, like the bamboo fight should, should is like, I know in the moment and in the, in the immediate foreground of that scene, it's it's you know it's you you can tell they're working on the bamboo but you're right big blue screen you're up high in the sky and then all of the ending you know is complete green screen because there's no earthly place where there's water wet and dragons and tony and just yeah so the bus is which i think was which i think was actually necessary i I mean i'm actually actually surprised when i rewatched it recently because i i was also when i saw it in the theater i was like okay yeah uh Somewhat typical third act, a lot of CGI. Whirling Dervish. Actually, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but I actually, when I rewatched it recently, see, see, this is the thing, I, and I'll, I'll comment on this on a larger scale in a minute, but when I rewatched it okay. recently, I was like, I started buying some of the rhetoric that I'm getting tired of because I watched it and mm. I was like, now that creature design was actually pretty exceptional. And yeah. like it actually was played out very well. It wasn't messy or muddy or murky. Mm-hmm. It was clearly CGI, but I think that the design work was so excellent. Yeah. That it didn't bother I agree me. With now, that. now here's Shang-Chi my has thing. very good design work. Now, here's my I thing don't know if I could say the same thing about the shadow monsters here. They try. No, no, shadow monsters are kind of whatever. They, it's, it reminded yeah. me of Eternals, like the Eternal, mm, like same thing. I, no, don't get me wrong. Like I, I will criticize where I need to criticize. Okay, but it's no different than you know in a Star Wars movie when a random That's tentacle true. creature pops up and does something. Yeah, it's, or it's just, a thousand it, it is what it is. Gotcha. It is yeah. what it is. But Here's the thing about rhetoric, too, which is why I'm getting tired of it. Because, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but this is one Uh-oh. thing I've always fought against. You're not saying it because I know that you're smart um, for the most part. But <laughs> yeah, um, people get that impression, right? And they say, oh, it's all just CGI. Oh, yeah. And, I can't. And, I won't do that. And, you're right. And, but what the problem is, is that that's what I'm saying. It even infected me because when I was mm. rewatching Shang-Chi, I think I watched it for my birthday or something because I was really excited. Uh, you know, I rewatched that third act and I was like, wow, this is actually not it's what people are saying. Yeah. It's a lot, but it's not what people are saying. No, like it, I agree with that. It, it's, it's CGI, but it's beautifully rendered and the design is interesting. 
And but when you have person to person legit martial arts, that helps. You know, like that's right. That's right. not. But even the do, mon- even the do, huge monster thing. Yeah. Right. But even the huge monster. But what I'm saying is is that um, I actually talked to my friend that I saw Thor with. You know, he's been making the argument that the cinematography has been getting better for Marvel, and I. Some cases, yes. I mean, Eternals looks gorgeous. Wow, um, that's, that's I think Chloe there's Zhao and her, right yeah, that bringing the big guns there, yeah. And and one thing that recently came under fire on Twitter, there was some. I'm just going to say it, an idiot who was like, "There's that scene. There's an amazing scene in Doctor Strange two where um, uh, Mordo is and Mordo and Strange are talking about Scarlet Witch and the powers." And it's like fading in and out, like their 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 mm-hmm. faces are kind of fading in and out above and below the screen. And you got this rock music going on. Yeah. You got all these different angles. And someone's like, "This is stupid." Like cinematography in pieces has been getting more unique and better. I agree. However, having yeah, yeah. rewatched a couple of these Captain America movies, and this is why I'm always a Russo Brothers fan because they have this really amazing eye for action cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, I was telling my friend today, I said, oh, man, I watched Winter Soldier the other day. And that movie, even though it was only what? I think that was 2011. Yeah. No, 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 no. It was after Avengers. So like 2014, 2015, something like that. I don't know the That's exact the one. year. Uh-huh. But it, I want to say 14. Yeah. It, it was almost quaint. Like it was oh, made sure. 30 years ago. Because sure. there was a lot more practical effects, real locations. They mm-hmm. saved that CGI for the end, like when yeah, they have to the fight all the helicarriers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, but by then you're you're not like kind of overloaded on CGI. But agreed. So I've never been like a huge fan of like just saying like it's all CGI and stuff because even as even as late as like Ant Man and the Wasp, where they mm-hmm. had these really creative um, sets that they constructed like with oversized objects and things, you know, like oh yeah, the ants are bringing like big soda caps and. Like there, there has been, I, you know, yes, there has been a little over-reliance lately. And I, I, and I've, I've likened it probably more, especially something like Endgame, because infinity, the difference between infinity war and Endgame are very stark. Like I agreed uh, with that no pun intended, but like infinity war, like Thanos, you can see like wrinkles on his chin. Oh, it's yeah. almost like by Endgame, which is only a year later he feels a little bit more cartoony than he was in the first one. So I agree with that. So I, I do. And I, and I liken that to one, they probably start, are putting like 50% of their budget to the actors, you know, because, yeah. because their, their, their rosters are getting so big, especially in that movie. But also there is a, you know, I, I remember Dave Mustaine, my favorite guitarist is, is guitarist for Megadeth singer songwriter for Megadeth. He used to be, in Metallica, I read one of his books uh, about making an album. And he said at one point, he's like, when you get on tour, you're so used to making the same thing, saying, playing mm-hmm. the same song that you find ways to cheat and you start playing the chords a little bit easier on your fingers. So you can get to the, you know, so the complexity mm-hmm. of the music is easier to sure. do, and it it doesn't sound as good. It's still the same song. It doesn't sound as good, but you get a little lazy. I'll be the first one to tell you, like with the CGI lately, even in Spider Man, yeah. like I feel they've gotten a little lazy because they're like people will buy it. They're going to go to the movie, right? Like so Lizard didn't look good. Like Sandman didn't look good. Electro didn't look good. Right. But we buy so, it because they're there and it's the yeah. characters we love. And yeah, 
Exactly. I agree no, with that. I, I, yeah. So I do. I will admit that Marvel has had that problem. Now, where we disagree is that, like, I thought this movie looked. I thought this was one of the best looking Marvel films in a long time, and I don't know color, if that has any. Yeah. Um. Like color, like I'll grant. Oh, um. Lighting and color. I mean, I'm not a fan of the black and white sequence, as I said, but uh, lighting. I mean, it, at least it counts as variety in lighting and color. Uh, every time Jane Foster's on screen, they, my gosh, the glow they give the woman is wonderful. Yeah. He's got he's got good armor. The the opening montage with with Guardians of the Galaxy, sharp daylight photography. You know, bright yeah. bright beautiful planets. Um, I know there's the the <laughs> I call it the Tron Legacy Solar Sailor scene of of in betweenness of the dolphins in space where it's it's a throwaway thing and it's obviously cgi but it does look good and there's good lighting there and valkyrie always looks sharp i mean yeah this is i'll call it good we, lighting we can talk about tessa thompson is a special effect in herself Ooh, yeah when she first I, came I, on i i turned she, to my friend and i was like yeah Holy shit that woman is like unearthly like yeah I don't get and it. but yeah she gets she gets to me she's still a little sidelined in this movie compared to oh, the, the, the importance she, she's given in Ragnarok, which is a bummer for me because you're right. It's Tessa Thompson. She could carry the movie herself in a way. Though but, she does get a great scene with both. She gets a great scene with uh, Bale. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, where he I agree. Really, like lays out her stuff. And well, here, here's the other thing I want to talk about with this movie real quick. And okay, this is why it also works for me so well, because I had a smile on my face the whole time. Hey, I, because I laughed in there, you know. I know, sure. but but another thing, this comes down to the directors as well. Is okay. Th- there is no doubt when you watch Ragnarok and you watch this that these guys are having fun. Uh, you know me; I'm not. I'm not exactly the biggest Natalie Portman fan. I think yeah, she's a little overrated in my opinion. I, I mean, she was amazing in Black Swan. She's mm-hmm. really good in Jackie, but I, I yeah. struggle to I struggle to really find deep nuanced performances from her. I don't think okay. she's as amazing as everyone says. Mm-hmm. What I really liked about this one, and the character is kind of a iffy character in those first two Thor movies in the first place. That's true. Like, I never I mean, bought the weakest the chick. Yeah. Like the, the weakest part of Branna's Thor is I'd never bought the fact that they would fall in love in a day. And uh, you know stuff <laughs> it is like a that. bit of a Disney princess level it, romance there. Yeah. You are right. <laughs> but what what I loved about this one is she has dimension in this one, and she looks like she's having the time of her life. Like she, yeah. I loved her performance in this. And already that Ragnarok cast of Tessa Thompson, uh, Taika Waititi, and mm-hmm. um, Chris Hemsworth they're, they're very loose and comfortable in the yeah. role. No, like, I, I I'll, I'll grant that. Infectious. In- it's yeah, infectious. And so I I've given that trait a pass before in lots of places. Uh, the example I'll give him, maybe I'm weird comparison guy number two today, um, Melissa McCarthy movies, where okay, and she's okay. made a lot of the movies with her. It's in this movie, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. Great, great little drop there. Like I admit, I laughed for sure. Yeah. Um, did they still beat the joke on the ground? Yes, they did. But it, she's hilarious. Uh, but no. But um, McCarthy McCarthy's movies are way too much and over the top and, and pound sure. jokes in the ground. But because she's there making these movies most of the time with her husband, Ben, um, you could tell they're just like, this is like they lashed onto a project that they wanted to do and wanted to do together. They tend sure. to hire and have some of the same co-stars and troop all in there. And I can't, yeah. I normally I can't fault them for 
going out and having fun. There's a mo- um one movie that I, I admire that the most. Um, super intelligent about two years ago, where like definitely not her best movie, but somewhere along the line, the heart matched the purpose and matched the fun. Where like I dug where it was like just yeah a personal good time that turned into our good time and people panned that movie except for me and it was a fun little place but then there's other places where uh what was the superhero one uh something something for thunder force last the netflix one last summer yeah yeah with, yeah with her and uh octavia spencer where like that one like right. same thing like her and her husband making this movie again making a movie again kind of but overstuffing it, overpacking it, where yes, they're having fun, and I'll grant that. But at the same time, dang, you know, maybe rein a little bit in or turn it down a little bit, and you know, or just at some point, I, I'll grant that until it's hey, if you're having that good of a time, maybe get it good while you're there. So I, I have that pause point moment. But ah. well, okay, well, I but I don't, but I don't, because I don't poo poo it because we're getting to an hour, and we probably need yeah. to wrap up. I was going to say, I think what we can agree to disagree on is this may come down to taste, like totally more taste I'll grant that. something. And yeah. that's the essence of comic books. I mean, there's certain artists and writers and superheroes and things that I don't like. And I do like for whatever mm-hmm. reason, this, this Thor, whether we say it's inconsistent or not, and I can agree with you from the first two movies and the Avengers movies up to Ragnarok, but Mm-hmm. Um, I like the direction yeah, I, I, Thor's going in, sure. and I like Waititi's taking over that universe. And it will, it definitely will. I mean, I can imagine some people sitting in there and being like, okay, this is not funny. I get that. Uh, this yeah. one comedy is a hard one. Yeah. That's the most objective film genre for. I love the crazy. screaming goats personally. Oh, uh, <laughs> I liked and, it for uh, two I just, jokes. I didn't need it for I, five jokes. But I, I, I don't know. I, I loved every aspect of this this movie Man. it worked for me um and that's yeah. all i can say I, now whether no, i'm I, coming I, at it as the shill yeah. fan and not the critic and maybe I i'm know. not fighting as hard to look at it as the critic <laughs> at this point i don't give a shit because yeah. i went to the movies i had a smile on my face i felt like a kid again which is what these movies are supposed to do mm-hmm. and i loved every second of it and i'm gonna go see yeah. it again with my daughter so i i, I admit that I want, I want what you want, you know, but I, I, this phase is, it feels like we're, we're swimming in quicksand where I, and it's not that you need to match what you did in phases one through three. Like I don't need a big bad, you know, or like, I don't it's need coming. Kang to show it's up. Coming. I, I know it's coming, but at the same time, like we're spending an, I, I this is where I kind of said with the, you, the, the reference you gave to me earlier of myself of like, where I'm enjoying the TV shows more is because we are taking breaths. We are doing the grief management thing. And, and like, you know, we're getting into some, some issues. We're getting into some shit and we're taking our time on it. And those, and I think comics in, in my opinion, lend themselves more to some of that kind of longer form storytelling where by the time you get to these two hour romps where they feel like they got to pack everything in to, to their heart's content or desire in these little movies, like this whole phase is just, other than right. Spider-Man, No Way From Home, pumping the nostalgia that we love, and I, I'm with you. I love Shang-Chi for doing something new and bringing something new, but Black All Widow right. is a waste of time. And, and, like, we're, there's well, that, no, I want to mo- talk about that real quick. I want to talk about more the batting movies average. Are, yeah, but quick. more movies in Phase 4 are losers to me than winners, and that makes me question 
further direction. So, or I okay, need something. Something's got to come in here and make it. We have six MCU movies in phase four. Yeah. Okay. Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. Two are so good for me. Are you, two out of, so two which out are of the six. two that are good for you? Uh, Shang-Chi and Spider-Man No Way of Home Spider-Man. only because of the nostalgia. When I, if I were to sit down and pick that movie apart, I'd be like, this is also really dumb, but we're, but mm-hmm. we love it. And it's the actors we love and it's hard. That's the place where the past comes in. Or I'll tell you what, that's a place that balances it. So um, two in terms of, in terms of like love, I mean, obviously Dr. Strange, I have in my top five this year, Thor, I'm probably right. putting in there. Shang-Chi is one of my all time favorites ever. And Spider-Man is Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eternals and Black Widow. I I've never rewatched Black Widow, even though I really enjoyed myself. And Eternals is yeah. something that I saw twice in the theater, but I I have no like need to go watch right. it again. Um, but I I don't see it as like the end of like I don't know. It doesn't. It, it no, hasn't, like Marvel's not sinking. And they're not, they're not they are yeah. too, well one they are too big to fail they're going nowhere mm. they they will take this phase and take their bogey putts instead of their birdie putts and come back and wow us when they need to because we know a big bad is coming and we know that that they're just waiting to let the vintage of wine age enough for Fantastic Four and X Men which will revitalize the fran- revitalize the MCU. Because they're going to, they're doing their homework. They're going to get there and nail it. And don't get me and wrong, Black even, Panther. Even for me, uh, six movies and seven shows in a yeah. two or one and a half year period now, does seem like a the lot. Batting average, it's, even, it's a lot. I feel the fatigue. I, well, I admit, I it, I'm not, like I, I said, I'm not in, there, man. Yeah, I think it'll get I'm yours not gonna, up though because I think. I think WandaVision's brilliant. Falcon the Winter Soldier is my favorite series. Uh, right. I'm Loki, with you I'm there. Iffy on. What if I'm, I was. I, eh. Well, you know Hawkeye me. I think the Miltiverse is a bad idea. So for yeah, shows. Hawkeye, I love. Oh. Moon Knight, I was kind of iffy on, to be honest. I need to rewatch it. Uh, and I have Because it's disconnected, Marvel, but... I feel like that's an intentional walk if we're doing baseball batting average. So. Um, yeah, wait. No, it's not, it's not that. It's just that, like, I don't watch TV. Um, yeah, like I've decided with Miss Marvel, I just I decided with Miss Marvel that I'm just going to wait. Um, I'll wait and binge as well. We got like, one I, more I, week, I do, and I'll be ready for it too. I do think that, like, I've had some great experiences in the last five or something years. Like waiting every week for Twin Peaks: The Return mm-hmm. was an astounding experience. That was 18 yeah. weeks of what the fuck is going on. <laughs> right. Um, but. I don't know. Sometimes like just with my busy schedule, I, I don't, I've almost, I almost feel like I've lost the language. Like there's a language to everything. There's a way you read a book. There's a okay. way you read a comic. There's a way you watch a movie. There's a way you watch a TV show. Mm-hmm. Like I almost feel like I've lost like the language of watching TV because I, I feel like I don't store the information the same way as I do with a movie because I've been so much more movies than before. So that's why I say I need to rewatch yeah. Moon Knight. It's not because it's not really connected to the Marvel universe. It's just because I watched like the first night and then I waited like two weeks and then watched like two and three and mm-hmm, then waited mm-hmm. another two weeks and watched four. And then I waited forever for five and six. Like I didn't have like a good, a good through line with it Yeah, because I think I'm getting like impatient with 
like that kind of storytelling. And it's, and, and that also comes to entertainment because Falcon of the Winter Soldier, I've watched twice and I've watched the whole thing in one sitting right. twice. Cause I love it. No, so if, if I'm, so if I'm, scoring, I don't know if I'm scoring shows, WandaVision because of how different and ballsy it was counts as good. To sure. me. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I'm right there with you. It's the best one they've done so far. Um, I could take or leave Loki. I, me too. Hawkeye, me too. Uh, Hawkeye, Hawkeye is adorable, but admittedly kind of inconsequential. I know it's your guy, sure. but in the big scheme of things, doesn't go anywhere. So that's fine because uh, that just like this that's movie, okay. like it's like it, it, that's right. A, right down flat middle, like a three, you know. And then um, but then like, what if it, I, I think the multiverse is a bad idea? So I could take or leave. What if I could take or leave Loki yeah. and and Moon Knight does it's <laughs> is an automatic X on Family Feud. You know, it just. Yeah, no. So even when I combine those batting averages together, and to me, I'd rather have a spelling sure. test than a batting average. I need that higher than 70, not I down at 300. So uh, I get you. I get you. That's I need to see, I need to see improvement. For me. I need to that's see improvement. The sh- that's where the shill comes in for me because I, I've enjoyed or Oh, no. I'm glad, glad they all exist. Yeah. Glad they took their shot. Glad they all exist. Glad they're trying what they're trying. Even if I wish they could slow it down and take their time and not stuff everything that because now we're getting to a point in dr strange kind of set this up where now you need the shows to plug into the movies and that's going to ask a lot of people to not not me i'm going to sit down and do it but yeah well every so every tv show with the exception of um the ant-man films i believe have introduced every young avenger which will be a movie so oh, that's right. Uh, okay. I mean, at this point, I mean, WandaVision introduced the twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier introduced, I, I can never remember the characters. Oh. It's, not, it's not Patriot, but it's. Um, oh, U.S. Agent? No, no, U.S. No, Agent the... would be in the Thunderbolts. The, the boy, the little boy uh, that was um, Carl Lumley's uh, son or grandson. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll, I know who he'll you be mean. A, he'll be a, he'll be, you know, Cassie mm-hmm. from the Ant Man films is. Oh, don't we have. Kate Bishop. Yep. Don't we have okay, Ironheart coming in Secret Invasion soon here? Yes. She'll have her yeah. own series. Yeah. But right. so, yeah, what you're saying is right now, I get if, it. if the Young Avengers is going to be the next like big event movie in, in mm-hmm. the future, like all of them, with the exception of Cassie, have been introduced on the TV shows. Yeah. So, you know, and maybe though, you know, there is a character in Thor Love and Thunder that maybe might get thrown right. in there too. Heimdall's son was son introduced. Is promising, yeah. I like which was pretty it. cool. And they, that was cool. Yeah, but uh, so, no. Yeah. And, and your statement on Hawkeye, real quick, is my feeling on Thor: Love and Thunder. Um, I don't need these to be events every time. And to me, sure. I I like them being comic books because that's what they they come from. And to me, like Hawkeye, Love and Thunder, some of these more inconsequential, quote unquote, inconsequential ones, mm-hmm. don't bother me because, like I said, I feel like. Just like when I was reading comics as a kid, you know, yeah. you'll read, you you'll read balls and producers and yeah. yeah, but you'll sure. also read six or seven issues that really nothing happens. And the next thing you know, you're reading, you know, dark Phoenix, you know? So yeah, it, I like that. I like yeah. that about these movies. And that's why I love Thor, love and thunder. Yeah. I, 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 and I'll say to you as the closing words of what I tell everyone else who likes it. And because I've been watching my peers half and half, you know, like, well, you've seen the rotten tuna score where, there's plenty of people who are kind of citing a few things like I'm citing, but then there's plenty of people who come out loving it. And I'm like, and then the, the thing I'll say to them every time is you are kinder. You are far kinder than me. And Will Johnson, you are far kinder than me. And I, I will bow and accept your entertainment. So 
I don't think I did too bad today. I, I didn't. I don't I think didn't I did too it. bad at I all. I didn't, I didn't suck roll. it off or anything. No. So I didn't, I didn't suck Marvel off or anything today. I was just well, I, you know, it's still time. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I could. I could. All right. So, well, thank you. I know that we strive to give you a show that you can listen to on your 20-minute drive to work. And, and, and lately, <laughs> the shows have been uh, five 20-minute drives to work. The work, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Monday through Friday. Still. But if you want to have more controversial opinions or crazy talk, um, and uh, especially for some of you people in certain states out there that want to call us libtards or whatever with some of our statements, we don't care. Follow us on Twitter at CinephileFit and on Facebook at CinephileHissyFitPodcast. Also find us both on Letterboxd. Thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a 25YL media podcast brought to you by RubinationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes, the new Banana Meter, and have become charter members of the new Independent Film Critics of America group. If you enjoyed the show, Ruminations Radio Network has more where that came from with wonderful programs and interesting hosts. Our show and others are available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. 